Well, I tell you, it's a muggy one here in Salford. It's muggy. It's very muggy. Uh, But it's wet as well. 18 degrees it is this afternoon. That's a bit strange, isn't it? It must be all of that global warming. That must be it. Welcome to Tuesday's programme. Thanks for joining me. Let's do it then. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. And I've got two terrific guests for you today. Mark Bayerski, my friend, will be with me in the second hour. He's an author, an international healer, and the founder of the Pure Energy Healing Academy. You know all about Mark. Very excited about that. We'll be talking about meditation, amongst other very interesting things. Don't miss him. Before that, David Curtin, the founder and leader of the Heritage Party, is back on your Richie Allen show. Lots to talk about with David Curtin, of course. And you can join in yourself. And you know how to do that. Go to richieallen.co.uk and comment live. Comment live. Please, God, the page doesn't disappear today with the traffic. It's being worked on. Comment live, richieallen.co.uk. Tuesday's programme, the 19th of October, 2021. Fair to middling, fair to middling, that's the answer. No, no, I'm in good shape, good form. I'm all right now, but last week I was in bad shape, I gotta tell you. Gotta tell you. Good afternoon to Claire Lynham. How you doing, Claire? Richie, would you consider giving a shout out to the Forest of Dean and Y Valley Review for printing the data from the yellow card reporting scheme? I was so pleasantly shocked to see this in our little local paper in Gloucestershire. Gwent, says Claire, page 20, volume 43. Better late than never. We've got to celebrate the small wins. Thank you, Claire Lynham. Hope you're well. Yes, the Forest of Dean and Y Valley Review. Printing the data from the Yellow Card Reporting Scheme. If you if you were born yesterday, the Yellow Card Reporting Scheme is there. It's on gov.uk. It's, it's where you go if you feel that you have been adversely affected by any jab. Not necessarily the COVID-19 ones. Thank you, Claire. Well, it's all happening today. Washington State has fired Nick Rolovich, the head football coach, and four of his assistants. This happened late yesterday afternoon because they, well, they won't comply with the with the vaccine mandates that all state employees should be vaccinated. The governor of Washington. Jay Inslee set a deadline for yesterday for thousands of state employees, including the Cougars coaches, to be vaccinated against the coronavirus or they would lose their jobs and they've lost their jobs. Washington State Athletic Director, this is the university obviously, Pat Chun, said on Monday night, he said it's disheartening to be here today. Our football team is hurting. Our WSU community is fractured. It'll have a lasting impact on the young men on our team and on the remaining coaches and staff. It's tyranny. Meanwhile, down under, down under, get I. Players who have not been jabbed against COVID will probably not be allowed into the country for the Australian Open. 
Says who? Well, says Victoria Premier Daniel Andrews. Now, the Grand Slam tennis season is annual and it's four tournaments, the US Open, the French Open, Wimbledon, and then at the very beginning of the year, the Australian Open. A lot of speculation of late about the Australian Open because what Australia is, it's a prison. It's a prison country now, isn't it? Well, in some parts, certainly Victoria anyway. It's in Melbourne. So the state of Melbourne, excuse me, the state of Victoria, I should say, has introduced a vaccination mandate for professional athletes. And Andrews said, this guy, the Premier of Victoria, I don't think an unvaccinated tennis player is going to get a visa to come into the country to begin with. If they did get a visa, they would probably have to quarantine for a couple of weeks. If I'm wrong, I'm sure the federal government will let you know. This guy's a right plonker, isn't he? He went on to say then, wait for it, he went on to say the virus doesn't care what your tennis ranking is or how many Grand Slams you've won. It's completely irrelevant. You need to be vaccinated to keep yourself safe and to keep others safe as well. So Daniel Andrews, he's obviously referring there to the best tennis player in the world at the moment, the Serbian Novak Djokovic, who it's widely believed that he hasn't had the jab. A Serbian journalist asked him, have you had the jab there, Novak? And he basically said to the journalist, it's none of your business. Yes, tyranny, tyranny. Oh, yeah. Greville Janner, won't get into too much of this, covered Greville Janner many times over the years. He was Lord Janner at the time he died. He was a Labour Party MP in Leicester for 27 years. He was a filthy child abuser, although his family say, well, he wasn't, uh, they don't know our dad and, and, and all of that garbage. Uh, he was a child abuser. It was well known. He was mentioned quite a bit today on mainstream media news because of the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse. It said that Leicestershire police officers shut down investigations into Janner without pursuing all inquiries. The inquiry also criticised Leicestershire County Council's sorry record of failures over abuse. Janner died in December 2015. We were told that he had dementia. Yet, as recently as November 2015, he was turning up to the House of Lords and collecting his £300 a day. Yeah. And he was driving himself too, wasn't he? Nasty piece of work. Well, he's dead now. His son Daniel continues, he's a QC Daniel Janner, continues to say, my dad was innocent. And I have a little bit of sympathy for him. A little bit. But a part of me wonders, you know, come on, Daniel. You know, he was your old man. You know, you must have known something. Maybe he didn't, you see. Maybe he didn't. It's often the case that family members don't have a clue what their dads and mums are getting up to. Anyway, Janner mentioned today, I see his victims will never get justice, will they? So MPs have been debating whether to renew the Coronavirus Act 2020. It'll be voted on later. How later? I don't know. It could be happening right now. The Coronavirus Act 2020 came into force in March last year at the start of the scam. The ministers at the time, the government ministers, said we would use the measures when only when strictly necessary. So the law at the time gave the government wide-ranging powers, shutting down pubs, sh telling people to work at home, detaining at-risk individuals to, 
to stop the virus spreading and lots of other things. We, we've lived through it. I don't need to tell you. Uh, the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid, says the government doesn't want to keep the measures in place any longer than necessary, but we want to keep them for another six months because the winter might be problematic. Listen, dear listener, dear listener, it's a foregone conclusion, the renewal of the Act. Why? Well, the Shadow Health Secretary, Jonathan Ashworth, Labour, he assured Sajid Java today that Labour will, of course, support the renewal of the powers for another six months. Here's Liberal Democrat Munira Wilson. She had a question for the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid. It's an interesting question, as was his answer. So could I ask him to give us a cast-iron guarantee that should he decide to bring forward vaccine passports, we will not just get a full parliamentary debate, but also a vote on any such measures? I think, Mr Deputy Speaker, the government has already been clear that you know, should we try to bring forward what the Honourable Lady calls vaccine passports, that will be a decision for the House. And it will be a vote. It will be a, it will be a vote. That's, it will be a decision for the House. And, and we would have to, if that happened, we would have to justify that uh, to the House. Um, Mr Deputy Speaker, if I may uh, mm. just uh, continue. Yeah, he went on and continued. Now, Munira Wilson and one or two others in the chamber looked a bit shocked pleasantly surprised when Javid said, yes, if we want to bring vaccine passports in in England, we will, of course, put it to the House. They are in, in Scotland and in Wales, as it, as it happens, as it stands right. Also very interesting to note that when Jonathan Ashworth, the Shadow Health Secretary, when he stood up to respond to the statement by the Health Secretary, there were three Labour MPs on the opposition benches behind him. Three. You might have thought, dear listener, that the decision to renew the Coronavirus Act, which basically turns the country into a banana republic, you would have thought that, well, the, 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 the back benches would have been packed to the rafters. There were three. And a couple of Tory backbenchers, who are fiercely opposed to the renewal of the Coronavirus Act, made the point to Jonathan Ashworth. Look behind you, they said. Three of your colleagues have thought it important enough to come and debate whether or not to extend this tyranny any longer. And Ashworth quipped, I think, dear listener, he quipped about MPs having lots and lots of different duties and jobs and don't be so callous or don't be so cynical, he said to the Tories. Three, four, if you include Ashworth there today. Yeah. Oh yeah, cases rising, they're telling us. 43,000 new cases uh, yesterday. 243 people died of COVID yesterday. This is bullshit, of course. 243 people, they say, died with COVID. That doesn't mean they died of it or anything else. Cases don't mean squat. They don't mean squat, dear listener, because the tests are seriously flawed. We're all carrying bugs and whatnot around. Now, by the way, is your house full of ladybugs or ladybirds, as we call them in Ireland? Is it ladybug mating season right now? Does somebody want to tell me? I think it might be. We're infested with them. The beautiful little things. They're everywhere. All over the walls, inside and outside. Are they going like the clappers, are they? Are they having it off of one another? I don't know. Anyway, so we're all carrying bugs and whatnot around now. The time of year that's in it, right? No matter how many cases are genuine, most of those testing positive will not get sick. But they're talking it up today, the need to reintroduce measures in the winter and the need to jab the bejesus out of the kiddies. They are 
laying the blame on the rise in case numbers squarely at the door of children. This is heinous. This is unimaginably evil, but they are doing it right across UK media today. Uh, BBC Radio 5 Live this morning spoke to a scientist and to a head teacher. You will hear the presenter, Rachel Burden, first, and then you will hear her guests. This is dreadful. Well, it's useful to know all of this. Uh, This is what we're up against. Irene Peterson is Professor of Epidemiology and Health Informatics at UCL in London. Uh, Morning, Professor. So uh, there is a little bit of vaccine wariness. We're seeing that. There's also a little bit of access to vaccines, which we know is a problem for some schools in England. What are you hearing? Yeah, it's exactly the same I hear and see uh, on on the internet. Um, I, I think uh, we have to make this process easier and ensure that everybody who wants a vaccine can get access to it. Um, why is Scotland doing so much better? Is it fundamentally because they're letting teenagers go to walk-in centres, which we're not doing in England? Is that the issue? I think so. Oh, that plays a major uh, part because then you're not relying on a single uh, rollout. You can go whatever day in the week you like and you can probably fill in the forms on the site. Mm. And that would make a difference to you, Liz. I hear you going mm, along in the background. Yeah, there. yeah, definitely. Um, I really like that idea of, of giving the, the children access, you know, a, a much easier access. And This is a head teacher. Just like the scientist, she wants to give the kids really easy access to the jabs. Easier access. And, and interestingly for us, on the day that we actually had the vaccine, I had lots of parents calling in and lots of students speaking to me saying they wanted the vaccine. So they want it, but they're not always able to, to fill out the form in time to, to get it. You know, you obviously had to do that in advance. So um, I think the walking centre would be a great idea. Would be a help. And Irene Peterson, what are the dangers if we don't get this group of children vaccinated? Just briefly. This is disgusting now. I think the danger is that we are seeing too many cases. I mean, we're already at 50,000 and that is too many. Bullshit. Uh, Some of these children will get infected and some of these children will uh, infect their family members. And that's not a good uh, way to go into the winter. Many thanks indeed to both of you. Irene Peterson from UCL and thanks to Liz Rymer, head teacher at Whitefield yeah. Secondary School in North West London. Just blame the kiddies. Blame the kiddies. Lay a guilt trip on the kiddies. You might infect your parents going into the winter. You might kill your mum, your dad or your granddad. Blame them. Guilt trip them until they take the poison. Well, they got their way because this afternoon or at lunchtime today, it was announced that from half term, 12 to 15 year olds in England will be able to get vaccinated at national hubs rather than at school. They'll make it as easy as they possibly can for the kiddies to roll up their sleeves. Dreadful stuff. Hi too. Is it, let me just have a look there. Janet Janet Owens, how you doing, Janet Owens? Thank you for the clarification. Yes, the, uh, the Parliament has agreed to extend the government's COVID powers. That's no surprise. Janet says it passed without division. They didn't even go to the lobbies. There was no point because the Labour Party has said, we support you. So there weren't enough backbench Tory MPs, hardly any Lib Dems. MP, how, many, how many Lib Dem MPs are there? 13, 12, 13? They disagree with it. But it doesn't matter. The powers have been extended. Yes, of course. Thank you, Janet. Absolutely right. 
Okay, Devi Shridhar, the chair of global public health at the University of Edinburgh. She says masks and vaccine mandates are the way forward. She was on Good Morning Britain this morning with a number of other so-called experts. Here she is. Yes, definitely. I think there is a lot to learn from our European neighbours, France, Italy, Germany. And the things they're doing are not lockdown in the way that we had it in the past. It's masks and indoor spaces, public transport, shops. It is vaccine certification or a negative test result when you're going into mixing indoors, which we know is the most risky. And also they've are pushing vaccination to a higher level than we have, especially in younger age groups. And so I think we do need to be looking at them and saying, what are they doing to keep their economy open, keep society open, keeping you know the harms minimized, the non-COVID you know COVID harms, but at the same time managing their COVID numbers as they go into winter? Because the NHS, if you talk to people working within it, in ICU units, staffing issues, they are struggling and they struggle every winter. And this winter they have COVID on top of it. No, no, not just that. They struggle every winter because bed capacity has been halved over 30 years, you dizzy bint. 30 years. But now you've mandated jobs for people who work in the NHS. So you're going to lose staff who don't want to be compelled to take a medicine they don't want, nor do they need. You daft cow. Vaccine passports she wants for indoor spaces. And she she means supermarkets, by the way. Not rock concerts or discos, supermarkets, vaccine passports for supermarkets. Needing to prove that you are healthy to be admitted to a supermarket to buy a half dozen eggs, a bottle of milk and a bag of flour. That's what this bitch wants. This 37-year-old shill from the University of Edinburgh. Yeah. Richard Madeley, Alan Partridge himself and that that blow-up doll that sits alongside him, Susanna Reid. Sex dolls have more brains than Susanna Reid. Sex dolls have higher IQs. They sit there and they don't argue with any of this. Oh, Jesus, no. Lovely. Thanks for coming on, Professor. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's do the sport now. Hey, the Polish Prime Minister, Mateusz Morawiecki, he's, uh, well, he's having a bit of a row with Ursula von der Leyen, isn't he, over European law and its primacy over all the European Union member states' national laws. This is an interesting one. She's, of course, the European Commission Chief, Ursula von der Leyen. This guy, I'll tell you basically what's happened. Poland's constitutional tribunal said, listen, our law, our national law, that's the be-all and the end-all of it. European Union law does not supersede Polish law. The European Union is not happy. Von der Leyen said she would act to prevent Poland undermining EU values. I've been telling people since the late 1990s what the European Union is, what it, what it is, what it was then, what it would become, and ultimately what it would mean for the countries of Europe. They make no bones about it now. Tyrants like von der Leyen. We'll tell you what to do. We'll tell you what to do. We will manage your budgets. Your annual budget. We'll tell you who you can borrow money from. We'll tell you who you can trade with. We will rewrite your national laws. You'll have to obey them. If you don't, we'll cut you off. We'll starve you. It's tyranny. Dreadful stuff. They're talking about LGBT rights. That's another issue entirely. Speaking of the European Union, Nigel Farage, who's had more jobs than a thousand Boy Scouts. More jobs... He was on Irish national television yesterday where he encountered another dizzy bint who goes by the name of Claire Byrne. 
uh, just like every other national broadcaster in Ireland and in the UK, Byrne sold her soul years ago. Listen to this brief exchange between her and Farage on nationalism and Irish independence. And how is it? And why don't you ask yourselves in Dublin a question? Why did you fight the British? Why did Irish nationalists fight the British for 500 years? 500 often very bloody, difficult years until the 1920s. What was the point of it? If you're now governed by yeah, European just, I think people will That's be entertained, debate, perhaps, Nigel, to hear oh, you talking about this. And that may be too inconvenient this. for all of you in I, Dublin. Oh, I'm look, sure. Yes, of I, course. I, I know that you apologise for the birthday greeting which you delivered in the last couple of days. But I want people to see just how much you know about the history and culture on this island. Now, it's a bit early in the day, so all I've got actually is coffee. But I hope... You enjoy a few pints with the lads tonight. Up the Ra. Up the Ra, Nigel. I mean, I, I know that you said sorry. I know yeah. you're, you get 87 quid. It's entirely within your rights to do that. But come yeah, on, and I do, don't, and, and don't, I do don't try and lecture the Irish people about the culture and history and precarious nature of peace on this island. You haven't got no. a clue. If you want to be... Do you want to be an independent, democratic nation or governed by foreign bureaucrats? That's the question that Ireland will ask itself. Those of you in the national media and national politics in Dublin will fight that as hard as you can because you've all benefited financially. Do the Irish people wish to be independent or not? And that is a debate that will happen in your country in the next few years. Yeah. Believe you. He rallied well there, did Farage. I hate to be defending Farage or any other politician. I don't have any time for Farage. And he is as establishment as Claire Byrne. But Byrne knows, and her producers know, that Farage, like a lot of well-known people, they make side money by making personal greeting videos for people. Uh, he was asked to make a video. He was given 87 quid for it. He hadn't a clue what he was saying. Up the Ra didn't mean anything to him. It doesn't mean that he's not familiar with the with the national struggle, the struggle of nationalism or nationalists in the north of Ireland. Doesn't mean he doesn't know anything about that, but the term up the rod didn't mean anything to him. He took his 87 quid and he made his video. And that's the media. You know, world-class bimbo like Claire Bourne, world-class bimbo, knew damn well that A, he wasn't endorsing the IRA and that B, the term up the Ra had never crossed his desk before. The media is wretched, but he rallied well. I've so much to talk about uh, in this news roundup, but I've got to abandon it to get my first guest on. I better do that now. David Curtin will be with me in a moment. Don't forget that Mark Bayerski will be live from Spain, from southern sunny Spain, in the second hour. It's 22 and a half minutes past five o'clock. It's uh, Tuesday's Richie Allen radio show live from BBG Towers in Salford. Thanks for joining me. Keep those comments coming in, by the way, richieallen.co.uk. And it's comment live at the top of the page. I will read them out as we go along. That's a promise, I tell you. Music from Ryan Paris and Dolce Vita on the Richie Allen Radio Show. 26 minutes past the hour, or past five, as it's live here from Salford. Lovely to welcome back to the programme the founder and leader of the Heritage Party. Let's welcome back David Curtin. David, welcome back. How are you? 
I'm great, thank you. Good to be here with you again, Richie. It's about time, it's been ages, and there's so much I want to get through in the next half an hour. That's with your permission that we have a half an hour to speak, David, by the way. There's so much to talk about, I could go on all day. I know you could, we could We could have done two hours. Let me start by putting something to you that I, I heard on talk radio this morning, and also a little bit on GB News. Is there a genuine, in your opinion, a, a real threat a serious threat in this country from radical Islamism. What do you think? Yes, there is to some extent. Um, yeah, obviously we saw that last Friday in Southend. Although it's a very odd case because you have this Islamist from South London randomly going up to Southend and killing an MP. I mean, they said straight away, this is a terror attack. So, you know, it could be it could be something else, but it certainly seems like it. But, you know, we, we've had, obviously, 2017 was a terrible, terrible year because we had the Manchester bombing, the, the, the London uh, bombing. We had, uh, you know, the, the car um driving into people on Westminster Bridge. And that there, there were so many Islamist terrorist attacks uh, in 2017. That there haven't been so many big ones um, recently, but we certainly have a, you know, a, a, a continuous stream of um, Islamists killing people. I mean, you have this horrible situation a couple of years ago in Bolton with um, that, that seven-year-old girl uh, Emily Lloyd, who, who was decapitated by somebody in a park in broad daylight. And yet the mainstream media don't seem to want to talk about these cases at all. Um, you know, if it's someone who's far right, you know, in the case of Joe Cox, they would go on and on for ages. Yes, it was a terrible thing, but they would, you know, say how terrible it is. This far right extremism, it's a danger. When there's clearly an Islamist terrorism, terrorist attack, the narrative is, don't look back in anger, no problem, let's all just get on together and then don't ever deal with the problem. Um, there is a big problem. We know um, that officially there, there's, what, 20,000 jihadis uh, in the UK on the watch list. Uh, there's 500 jihadis returned from Syria uh, in, in the last couple of years, that 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 was a couple of years ago. So now no one mentions it. They think it's all gone away. It hasn't gone away. They're still here and they're still a threat. Uh, mercifully, there haven't been uh, any more huge, huge terrorist attacks like we had in 2017. But there is a danger still. Isn't it a really murky subject, this, though, in terms of I've been looking into the intelligence agencies of this country and others, and how they fund groups like Boko Haram and Islamic State and, and others, and how they've done that over the years. And then we, you know, we see some of that coming back to kind of bite us in the backside, as it were, here. A classic example of that is the Manchester bombing. Now, there are a lot of things about the Manchester bombing that, that I don't like. Um, I, I'm not one of these wackos now who say that nothing happened and I know people were killed there, I, I, I know, I personally know a nurse uh, who worked in Manchester Royal Infirmary on the night in question, but I found out then through an interview I did with a former MI5 officer that Salman Abedi, who's basically been blamed for the, the bombing in, in, in the arena, that his father Ramadan Abedi 
was was managed by MI6 many many years ago in this country's you know constant attempt to remove uh, Muammar Gaddafi from from Libya that's murky stuff David and I know that our intelligence agencies have provided some material support to the lunatic head chompers in in Syria and elsewhere because our government wants rid of people like Bashar al-Assad. And, you know, if some of that comes back here, I'm not saying that we deserve it, don't get me wrong for a minute, but if they are here, we rather than just look at the fact that there are some, you know, some some possibly some very dangerous men here that we need to kind of keep an eye on, don't we need to start looking at what the intelligence agencies have been doing? Yeah, absolutely. The intelligence agencies and the governments working together. I mean, um, and the people who uh, get uh, the the back end of this, the the people who are the victims are ordinary people just going about their business and just living their lives who don't want anything to do with this. But yeah, absolutely. You know, it's long been a stated aim of the government and the the intelligence agencies, you know, that they want to get rid of Bashar al-Assad in Syria. They wanted to, they they got rid of Saddam Hussein in in Iraq. And, you know, I'm not saying he's a, he's a great person, not, not far from it, but the chaos that's been caused in Iraq on the premise of uh, they were responsible for 9-11 and had weapons of mass destruction. Uh, and it was just complete fabrication. That's just completely not true. And yet you, you, they threw a whole country into chaos because of this. And, you know, you can see in Afghanistan now, you know, the, the very, very quick withdrawal of British and American troops, but they left all their weaponry behind. They've essentially armed the Taliban, created a whole new potential ISIS situation, um, you know, which is just as bad as 2014 in Syria. Uh, you know, and this is a this is not incompetence. I don't think you, you know how yeah. can the British intelligence, the American intelligence, be so incompetent not to realise that if they live, leave behind um, basically, what is it, the world's fourth biggest stash of military hardware, that, that this is not going to be used um, uh, for, for, for very bad ends. You're right. Uh, that's beyond belief. It's dreadful, isn't it? I, I don't buy the incompetence excuse either. So what 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 I what I see when these things happen and they're dreadful things like the Manchester it was a dreadful thing, it's a strange one you know I I lived in Fallowfield, Manchester at the time I'm in Salford now, so a couple of miles really away from from the city we spend a lot of time in the city at the arena and you think my God what a terrible thing, but then you you see the politicians come out and they say the same things they will not change our way of life. Uh, they hate our freedoms. All of this kind of newspeak, this nonsense talk. But the problem is, often the proposals in the wake of these things, well, they're very draconian. And again, that that always leaves me wondering, you know, not that I'm suggesting that our government is in any way involved in any of these things, but I wonder how how often over the years the intelligence agencies might have had some intelligence that something was going to go down but they left it happen. Now, I, I can't, I, I can't, I shouldn't say that. I can't prove that. But I wonder about it because they say they don't change our way of life, but they do. I'll tell you, David, just very quickly. I went to the first concert in the arena after that. And it was, well, it was, it was, it was militarized, the security. And it was, mm. the, it was the first time they introduced airport type screenings to get into a venue. And we were going to see Neil Diamond, of all people. 
And you had little old deers walking in with their handbags and their Neil Diamond silk scarves and their, their, their roses with the batteries for the lights. And you had men, massive men, screaming at them to get into line and empty your bags and walk through the scanners and all that. And I just thought, you know, that sort of way of living, that suits governments. You know, I'm probably talking complete bollocks here, but it's it's just a, a response to these things is always to kind of make things a bit more, a, a little bit more illiberal. Do you get what I'm saying? I, I, you know, absolutely. You're not talking rubbish at all. This is this is clearly what happens. And there, there's a that sometimes there's a knee jerk reaction, and you know, to to these things, and you can understand, you know, when people are emotionally involved and stuff, and they go, "Well, you got to do something to make sure it doesn't happen again." But you know, things settle down after a while, but um yeah but but now you, you know we we got the 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 case this week you know sir david amos was was murdered you know by you know they say it's an islamist terrorist um he could be it could be something else um could be mental illness it could be something something different but what they're now saying <clears throat> and trying to propose is they need to strengthen the online harms bill yeah um, and make a new law so that people can't use the internet anonymously. Yeah. What on earth has that got to do with a terrorist walking into a church and killing an MP? That's got nothing to do with the online world at all. And yet suddenly the narrative is shifted in order to try to push through a measure that the government wanted to push through anyway. Um, you know, and I'm sure the security services want this because they always want more access to information. I mean, the security services would like for there to be no encryption, uh, no privacy, no anonymity whatsoever, so they can look at everything that everybody is doing uh, 24-7-365. I mean, you, you know, that's what they want. But but yeah, the you know, is one of the EU um, politicians, I think, said, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. It's appalling, though, that these terrible events happen. And then people try to make political capital out of them. And this is what happens all the time, again and again and again. And you see them bringing in more restrictions, taking away our freedom a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, you know, like the monkey eating the pizza and eventually eats a bite and a bite. And uh, after 100 bites, there's nothing left. Nothing left. Mm. That's a really interesting take. And I've been thinking a lot about this in the last couple of days. And thinking about the sort of world they want to create. I mean, we're talking on an amazing day for us to be talking. They're talking about compelling people to bankrupt themselves to buy heat pumps and get rid of their gas boilers. They're telling people that they won't, don't expect to drive cars in the future. Uh, the government agency that advises the government on, on how to spend the money to become more green, it's telling people today to imagine a future where you will walk and you will cycle as, as a given, as opposed to driving. They've renewed the Coronavirus Act. Uh, three Labour MPs were behind Jonathan Ashworth in the chamber today, three, making four, in a, obviously a very important debate before renewing this tyrannical piece of legislation, this Coronavirus Act. There were four Labour people there altogether. All of this is going on, it's deadly serious. And I wonder how much of this online harms bill is rooted in they're worried that the people are going to come for them eventually. Yeah, I, I think they must know that people are very, very angry with MPs because they're the ones that have put in place 
all of these draconian measures to take away our freedom over the last 18 months. They know that anger is growing um, on the streets, in the grassroots. And then suddenly they're saying, you know, well, all MPs are under threat. This is terrible. We need to be kept safe. But, you know, what have they done to our country and our nation and our freedoms? I mean, are we now not to be able to speak and disagree uh, with an MP or challenge an MP or have access to them? I mean, this is in a democracy. Anybody should be allowed. Uh, this is an ancient right to go into the House of Parliament and into the lobby and request an audience with your MP to be able to speak to them. You know, this is why, you know, Sir David Amos there, he was having a surgery on a Friday. So people from the public can go and, and meet him and see him. But you have one of them, I think it's Tobias Elwood, um, suggesting that, you know, this should stop and MPs should no longer uh, meet with the public. So, you know, it's absolutely um, terrible. And, and uh, it's going to take away our access to the people that we want to talk to. They're there and voted in by the people and they're supposed to represent the people. They're supposed to do what we want, not what they want and not protect themselves and put a big steel wall around themselves like they are, you know, the, the garrison in the castle and where all the serfs outside who can't yeah. um, have any access to them whatsoever. Um, you know, so this is what they're doing. Um they're overseeing, yeah, yeah. aren't they? They're, I said this on yesterday's programme. For me, they're overseeing. I don't mean they are responsible for it because far more powerful people, you go to think tanks, you go above think tanks, far more, you know, far bigger people are giving them their instructions. But they are overseeing the transition of this country from a constitutional monarchy into a totalitarian state. They're overseeing that. And more and more people seem to be becoming aware of what's happening to them and are beginning to see what's down the tracks and it's awful, it's dreadful. And to mm. me, I agree with you, I, I think they are ring-fencing themselves and attempting to bring in all manner of legislation to make it virtually impossible to breathe a word in anger against your elected representative lest you be accused then of incitement in some way, shape or form. I couldn't believe what I was hearing yesterday. Uh, Chris Bryant, the Labour MP, was on Julia Hartley Brewer's programme and he was basically chastising Brewer for the manner with which she went about her business and the questions and the tone. David, I worked in mainstream radio for years. I used to carpet politicians. You know, that that's your job, not to grandstand to make yourself look, you know, big, but not to go Piers Morgan. That's rubbish. That's not journalism. But to mm. go after them when they're not telling the truth or when they're evading the question. Now you've got MPs telling journalists, listen, you shouldn't be saying this and you shouldn't be asking that and you, you need to be careful. You're stoking the culture wars. This is crazy stuff, you know, from, from as a journalist. And you've had, you know, your experiences of journalism as well. How do we get here? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, um, yeah, qu quite extraordinary, isn't it? You, you know, and, and just a few weeks ago in the Labour Party conference, what was Angela Rayner talking about Tory scum? Yeah. And, uh, and then you've got people in the same party now saying, oh, let's all be kind to each other. It's really horrible that yeah. people are saying nasty things to MPs. Well, they're not. I mean, Julia Hartley Brewer, I don't agree with her on everything, but she's not swearing at no. them. She's asking hard questions of them, you know, with the type that they, they don't get 
get asked, uh, you know, if they go on the BBC and follow the narrative, you know, they're not going to be challenged because that's what they want. The BBC are going to be really kind of challenging to someone like me and yeah. uh, would throw all kinds of smears at me. Um, you know, the mainstream media would. I'm not specifically the BBC, but I did get interviewed by an ITV London journalist. Very members. Uh, London mayor election and they just wanted to call me a homophobe uh, yeah. because of something that I, I I I don't agree with the redefinition of marriage so then you know they they focused on that rather than everything else and and put the smear out you know um this is the game they play there's no but, room for context anymore and this right. is this is a massive problem we have and I've talked at length about this on this program over the last seven years David they are mm. they are creating a system whereby you or anybody can be labelled as something, uh, whether it be homophobic, whether it be transphobic, whether it be um, Islamophobic, whatever. And that should be enough then for you to be deemed as somebody of a dubious character and basically cancelled, that you should never, yeah. that, that, that you should be defined by that. And you know, it doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. There are no rights or wrongs, in my opinion, on these issues. We all have our own personally held value systems. But this is the world they want to create where somebody... I, I, I have read a lot about you and I've interviewed you. I think you're a great guy. I, I, I look at people as the sum of all of their parts. You have opinions about political issues that I don't particularly share. But you're a father, you're a former teacher, you're a funny guy, you're a decent guy. I've had people come on to me who who've asked you over the years to help them out when you're on the London Assembly and you did you're the sum of all of your parts but they're creating a world now where no you'll be defined by your opinions this is That's mad right. stuff not what you do yeah. so the way they look at crime now is not like actual acts that cause harm loss or damage which is you know the common law definition of what a crime is um, not burglary. Well, obviously, these are still crimes, you know, burglary, murder, abuse, harassment, fraud. These are still crimes, but they're more concerned with the concept of hate crime or hate speech or hate thought or, you know, I've even heard the, the phrase hate prayer being no way. spoken about this year um, for, for one sort of new thing they want to bring in. But, you know, this is the thing that they would throw some of these words out and that immediately tries to smear you in a way that they're throwing mud that sticks to you and then they want to make it so in everyone's mind, they're a transphobe or the, the, one, the words for this year are anti-vaxxer and conspiracy theorist, or you agree with this. I mean, you, you know, I, I was um, in Trafalgar Square. I was on the stage with Piers Corbyn and David Icke and Kate Shemarani. Uh, I don't agree with everything that all of them say, but, you know, I'll get on with them and shake hands with them. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll happily go and speak uh, to the people who are uh, they're gathering for freedom. But then, you know, the, the story, the, the way the media spins it is he, Curtin, was on the stage with an anti-vaxxer and a yeah. conspiracy theorist. Shocking. <laughs> you know, what, what on earth does that mean? Well, it, well but, you know what it does mean? What it, what it means? What it means is you, by nature of the fact that you appeared with David and Kate and Piers, well, well you must agree with everything they've ever said, uh, David, obviously. 
I mean, you must do. Why, why would you be there? I've had this for years. It's only recently that some Jewish community leaders have, have begun to apologise to me for some of the shit I put up with over the years because I interviewed people who blamed everything on the Jews. But David, I didn't agree with them. I brought yeah. them on because I like a good, robust exchange of views and I don't want to ridicule people. I want to find out why do they think what they think and, you know, is there anything I can learn from them? We have a chat with a bit, bit of banter and off they go. But, but, but I had to be anti-Semitic because I interviewed them. It didn't matter that Oprah Winfrey interviewed them, mm. uh, David Duke and people like that. Right. I couldn't, I wasn't allowed. But, but this is it. Now, of course, I've got thick skin. I don't care. You know, I, I, my, my accountants are Jewish. I have Jewish friends. It doesn't matter. But it does matter for other people. They don't have the luxury that I have of having an independent radio programme. And I don't have to deal with these bastards. But in wider society, they do. And you've got thick skin, despite all the mud they threw at you. But imagine mm. if you worked in a company. Imagine if you worked in a car dealership and your job depends on selling cars. Imagine you worked in a, in a call centre. And they started putting it around that you were at that rally with that David Curtin. I saw you in the crowd there. Terrible. This is sickening stuff, David. Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, You I could lose your job. And this this is the thing, you know, and this is the pressure that is put on the subtle pressure in society to um, to to force people to conform because then if you're suspected of having the wrong opinion, not of having done a crime, but of having the wrong opinion, then you get ostracised, then you start getting funny looks, and I know you know, people have been uh, thrown out of their jobs because they have the wrong opinion. They've said the wrong opinion online. I mean, most. A famous case in the last year was Maya Forstetter. You know, she yeah. said that she doesn't think there's, um, you know, gender as such. You can't change your gender. You know, if you're a woman, you're a woman. You're a man, you're a man. That's it. D d rejects the idea of transgenderism. And, and she was thrown out of her job. I think it was in the tax service. But she has to go to court. And she won. She won the case in the high court that she was unlawfully dismissed. But this is what's happening now. It's gone beyond people being no platformed in a university. People are now getting thrown out of their jobs. I know people whose bank accounts have been closed down because they have the wrong opinions on certain things. You know, either they've got the wrong opinions on LGBTQ or they've got the wrong opinions on um the uh, what are called vaccinations, or I call them experimental injections. Um, yes, what are the words I use? But you got the wrong opinion on this, and uh, you're you're you know thrown out of society, not so much by the police, but by corporations acting on behalf of the uh, you know the, the you could call it the new world order or the great reset or the uh, the build back better ideology you know that that wants to exclude everybody that doesn't submit to the correct politically correct way of thinking uh, and and this is frightening and this is you know these people will call themselves liberals um but you know if you look at the the original meaning of the word liberal, they're exactly the opposite of liberal. They're not tolerant and they're not liberal at all when it comes to people's opinions. It's, no, it's now not. gone beyond that into, you know, totalitarianism. 
David Curtin is with me. He's with me till just before six o'clock. David is the founder and leader of the Heritage Party. Uh, always get a massive reaction when you're on. You know that. Always very positive. They're not right. used to hearing straight talking politicians. That must be it, uh, David. <laughs> but but look, my listeners know I abandoned polit- politics many many moons ago. I, I saw the you know the left right two cheeks of the same bum. I, I saw it growing up in Ireland, but um, I know I admire individuals like you and some of the things you've you've tried to do. They're they've they've said today that, that they're they're going to make it very easy or much easier for twelve to fifteen year olds to be jabbed in half term. There was calls for this uh, to speed it up, and there's been little or no condemnation of this whatsoever in the media. It's dreadful. They're talking today about vaccine passports because of the pressures on the NHS in the winter. You and I have spoken about this, I think, in the past at length. That is, bed capacity in the country has halved in a 30-year period, while the country has grown exponentially in terms of uh, the numbers of people living here and coming in from overseas. Dreadful stuff, all of this. NHS is going to be under pressure. They want to bring the vaccine passports in. They're going to start jabbing the kiddies. Um, Look, I hate to be melodramatic. I don't want to be melodramatic. Are we, are we running out of opportunities? I mean, is this winter, this this coming three, four, five month period, is this last chance saloon for people to come together and to say, look, we're not going to live like this. We're we're going to stand up to it. Are we getting towards kind of last chance scenario? You know, they're going to push ahead with this. I don't know if it's the last chance, you know, we'll ever have to turn this back. Um, you know, I never say never, but you know. You, you can see what's going on around the world. So, you know, you can't look at the UK or Ireland in isolation. You've got to look at what's happening uh, everywhere because the same the, the things are being pushed out in lockstep together. And you can see what they've done in Australia, um, you know, where they've, they've locked the country down essentially for the whole winter. Now it's sort of, you know, we're going into autumn. It's springtime in Australia. So, they're, they're, you, you know, I, I think what's happened in New South Wales is very interesting and quite good. They got rid of this terrible Gladys woman I can't remember her last name who you know she she really was tyrannical they got a new person who's sort of opening things up again which is great but you know it's northern territories now and Australia have said basically no jab no job uh, and if you try to go to work and you don't have a, a vaccination a jab then you're going to get a five thousand dollar fine um, you know the government here in the UK, the Johnson regime, they want to bring this in. They want to get as many people vaccinated, as they say, as they call it, as possible, because they want to get people onto these vaccine passports, which um, the manifestation we have is called the NHS COVID app. And this was um, uh, announced, uh, I think, on the 1st of October, the process for actually getting this. And uh, they're picking on care home workers at the moment, which is absolutely appalling. So, you know, care home workers have either got to have two jabs or um, give evidence that they've got an exemption or they get kicked out of their job on the 11th of November. Um, so if people don't want to have one, uh, you know, they're, they're being thrown out of their jobs, um, uh, you know, but then after care home workers, it'll be all NHS staff. Uh, I hear from people working in the NHS, you know, the managers are just speaking as though this is happening. You know, they're just an assumption that everybody is going to have to have mandatory vaccination in the NHS come January and then it will be teachers and, and so on. But, you know, the kids, it's terrible. 
you know they're, they're doing this there's absolutely no reason to give children um a, a vaccination for a, a disease that none of them die of you know no child has died from covid as far as i know maybe one or two but i you know that i don't know about but you know as i said this is not a vaccination this is an experimental um gene therapy or or substance this mrna that generates the spike proteins and then we know causes myocarditis pericarditis blood clots we're starting to hear stories of children uh between 16 and 18 dying of heart disease which is unheard of you know it, this is more than just a random cluster this is you know uh, certainly a very very uh, big correlation um between the vaccine rollout and an increase in heart um, heart disease deaths in in children so you know this is absolutely wicked to continue pushing this um but you know the good thing if there is any good in this that there's only about 10% of 12 to 15 year olds have taken it um i think parents have really got on this and said no you're not jabbing our kids so the government's tried to go around it and said oh kids you've got gillet competence you can decide for yourselves if you want to get it go out at half term book online you know we'll give you a hamburger or whatever yeah um to yeah. try to get them to you know cajole them into getting this um injection of this um terrible substance. And you know, today, David, all day today, uh, right across the media, we heard from people who were saying that children are the reason for this recent escalation in case numbers. Children mm. are. And they're saying, you know, it's important that the children get jabbed so that they don't pass it on to a loved one over the winter. This is this is scandalous. It's scandalous. It, it is. Yeah, but case numbers are meaningless anyway, because the case numbers are based on the PCR test. We know the PCR test is not meant for diagnosis. And when it's run on a high number of thermal cycles, which is what they do in the NHS, then it's no different to background noise. You know, even the World Health Organization says don't run it on over 35 thermal cycles, which itself is high. Otherwise, it's meaningless. And we run them on 40 to 45. So it's, it's 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 the case numbers being high it's it doesn't mean a thing but you know the mainstream media keeps pushing this because they've it's like the big lie this is the lie that they've been telling you know telling and telling and telling again and you know i think it was goebbels wasn't it, it said if you tell a lie that's big enough often enough people start to believe it, to believe but, you it. Know, the bigger the lie the more people will believe it because they can't believe that government who's an authority um institution that you're supposed to trust would lie to you in such a great scale but this is a complete lie the, the the PCR tests actually meaning anything. So I don't take any notice of them myself. What matters is the mortality rates, you know, and if mortality is going up in kids, there's something very, very wrong. But but it isn't. Final question for you today. Thanks for your time. By the way, folks, David is online at David Curtin. That's K-U-R-T-E-N, davidcurtin.net. Check him out there uh, and look for the Heritage Party as well. Tell, tell, tell me this, um, 18... 19 months into it, nearly 19 months into it, very quickly, is the glass half full or half empty for you looking ahead? I know I kind of asked you that a few minutes ago. Is there, is there some hope we'll turn it around? 
You know, I'm an optimist. I say the glass is half full because we pushed back so much in the UK. And I think that has slowed people down. You know, I think that they wanted to really forge ahead here in the in England. They have done in Scotland and Wales, but still, you know, the, they brought the vaccine passports in for large events, but not for smaller events yet. You compare where we are here in, in England to countries that are really getting it at the moment, like Italy and Lithuania and Cyprus, we're not doing, you know, we still have some of our freedoms and we've had them for a few months. That's not to thank the government at all. We want all of our freedoms back because it's not theirs to take away. But the hundreds of thousands of people going out every month in the summer um, to protest the whole together declaration that's, you know, trying to get through to MPs. I don't know how successful that's going to be, but at least they're trying. But I think there's a lot of people who are waking up and, and it's saying, right, our red lines here are you take your hands off our kids and we're not going to have these vaccine passports for domestic use. You know, I think that more people are going to stand up against these things now. Come back anytime, mate. You know that. Lovely to have you on, David. God's Thanks. be to you. Look after yourself. Bye for now. David Curtin, the founder and leader of the Heritage Party, former member of the London Assembly, top bloke. Good to have him on the programme this afternoon. Lots of your comments. I will read a few of them in a moment before I get Mark on the programme. You are listening to, of course, uh, the Richie Allen Radio Show, live, of course, from Salford this Tuesday, the 19th of October, 2021. That's the, Rich- the one. The Richie Allen. Show features doctors, scientists, academics, and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, the picture's not that great. Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously, ensignfilms.co.uk. You're listening to the saviour of independent media, Richie Allen. Welcome back to the programme. I think the Gladys that David was channelling, or thinking about not channelling, is Gladys Berejiklian, isn't it? The former former Premier of New South Wales. Yes, dreadful, dreadful woman, dreadful woman, dreadful, dreadful woman. Indeed, Mark Boyerski will be with me momentarily. Let me just read a few quick comments, lots of them coming in. And today, the website... Is it working? Is it? Is it? It was a few minutes ago. It was momentarily. It was a moment ago. Uh, let's hope it's working now. It gets very traffic heavy at this time of the afternoon. What are we now? Six o'clock? Are we just about six o'clock? Six o'clock, is it? Yeah, it does get a bit mad this time of the day. Uh, somebody says it's a nightmare logging in. Well, that's a traffic issue. It's not because of the host. It's a traffic issue. It's... um. It's popular at the moment. Like to John Flynn, he says, believe it or not, RTE Radio today were playing ads on how to recognise blood clots. Where are they, John? Wow. I'm going to make it my business tomorrow now to monitor RTE Radio 1 and Radio 2. Playing ads, advising people on how to recognise blood clots. That's very interesting indeed. Indeed. I to Pandora, I to Bob, who says Oliver Tobias, the MP, was the guy doing a paramedics job on Westminster Bridge in 2017. His brother 
uh, was caught up in the Bali bombing. Small world, says Bob. Thank you, Bob. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll swiftly move on. Got to get Mark on the programme. Time is precious on live radio. Mark's not Spanish. He's from Yorkshire originally, but there, there you are. And the Gypsy Kings aren't really Spanish either. I don't know. So I don't know what I'm doing. This is the Gypsy Kings. Mark Boyerski with me in a couple of moments' time. That's going to be fascinating and educational. At least it always is for me anyway. Yeah, the Gypsy Kings on the Richie Allen Show. The song is Bile and May. Ah, great tune indeed. Great tune it is. Uh, the time is approaching, fast approaching, five minutes past six. Keep those comments coming in. Anything you'd like me to put to Mark, send it to me through richieallen.co.uk. It says, it says, what does it say at the top of the page? Come on, you know what it says? Yes, comment live. It says comment live. Without further ado, let's, uh, let me welcome back a great friend of mine, somebody who I have enormous time for. He's a, an author, an international healer, and the founder of the Pure Energy Healing Academy. Now, he's either in San Pedro, or he's in Mijas Costa, or he's in neither. Mark Boyerski, welcome back to the programme. How are you? I'm wonderful, Richard. I'm, I'm, I'm there and everywhere. You're there and everywhere. <laughs> Man of mystery. Which part of the coast are you, as a matter of interest, you lucky bugger? You, you keep saying coast, but actually I'm up in Inland. And it's called Mijas Pueblo. Mijas Pueblo, that's right, yeah. In uh, the mountain with donkeys and, uh, yeah, beautiful views. Is it a bit like where you are when, if people can think of The Godfather Part 2, the movie, when, mm. when the young... When the young Vito Corleone, the Don, when he's young, he's played by Robert De Niro. He goes back to Sicily to visit his, um, well, to see where his, his his family came from. And you see that, that lovely kind of burnt landscape, olive trees, donkeys. Is it a bit like that? It, it is, except the village that um, we're in is whitewashed. And I don't think in uh, The Godfather it was no. quite it was stone and very... I actually love that. When I drive through France, I don't know what it is, but I just want to lift France up and put it into Spain and lift Spain property up and put it into France. <laughs> if you understand what I mean. I do totally I, understand what you mean. The, the Spanish, well, they must be. We can say they, we can generalise. They're obsessed with white, aren't they? They're obsessed with it. Yeah, oh, unless you, you're uh, into Smurfs and they're obsessed with blue. <laughs> right. and, and terracotta, and terracotta, of course. Love a bit yeah. of terracotta. I do, I miss it so much. Speaking to you always kind kind of brings it back. Um, you're incredibly busy. Mark's website, by the way, folks, is markbyersky.com. Do check it out. It's hugely valuable. There's a lot of important information on there. Lots of videos, meditations. It's great. Get on there. Uh, that's the YouTube channel. Check out markbyersky.com. Since we last spoke on this programme, how has it been going for you? Every time I mention to anybody that you're coming back on, they wonder about Spain and its authorities because there is an opinion out there that you, people living in Spain, have had it a bit harder than than the rest of us have had. What's it been like lately? Well, we had it hard. We at the beginning we were locked up for a long time, and uh, I was uh, I, I wasn't arrested, but nearly arrested. In fact, I just saw the policeman who um, basically threw me about and took his cups out, and I said to him, "Don't do that." And he's saying, why? And I said, are you threatening me? I said, no, no, not one little bit. 
I'm actually feeling uh, uh, really anxious because I don't want anything to happen to you. He said, are you threatening me? I said, no, no, trust me when I say, please don't be brutal. Just be calm. And I'm trying to calm him down. And he didn't. And uh, unfortunately, he was very aggressive. And the other two policemen stood back and did nothing. All in the village, they were all watching. Nobody dared. Nobody even stood up for me. I, I did nothing wrong that this guy was brutal. Anyway... Um, he, he wanted as, to know what you were doing and where you were going. None of his business. No, no, actually, I was on, um, you know, these new scooters, these little scooters. Yes, I remember now. I remember. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. Remind us because it's important. So I, I, I was on the scooter, the little tiny, they call them uh, scooters, um, and I didn't have a mask on. OK, so if you've got a motorcycle, then you don't need to wear a mask. No. Well. Apparently, if you've got a scooter, you need to put a mask on. I mean, listen, Richard, the, the bottom line to all of this is that we are being desensitized to insanity. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, how could you even say that to a citizen? Listen, if you were on a motorbike, you'd be OK, but you're on a scooter, so you should have a mask on you. So I said to him, Madness. what's the difference? I I'm traveling at the same speed. As a, as a motorbike, I'm not stopping. I'm not going anywhere near anybody. The guy was brutal, right? Yeah. So what happens, and this has always happened to me, and I, I don't like saying it, but I do like saying the truth. When anybody's ever done harm to me, I have never wished a, a, a hair on their body to, to, be, to be touched, but something always happens. And this guy now has left the force. He can't walk properly. He's walking up and down here. And I feel really, really sorry for him. No way. Go on, Mark. Is that yeah. right? I, I can tell you this as a personal. This I've never said. I've never mentioned this before on, in public. But uh, two people who did tremendous damage to me when I was a kid um, took their life. They took their life. The, the people who have done bad things to me, something's happened to them. So when that guy, when that police officer was being uh, really, really brutal, I was, I was. Basically saying, please don't do this because I, I know that the possibility of an outcome is, is not going to be good. You might pay and for it, yeah. It's not sending negative energy. I am a healer. I love people. And I look at him now and I want to bring him up here to give him healing. So it's not about that. Yeah, no, but, I get you. I get you 100%. Yeah. There's nothing vengeful. There's nothing vengeful about what you said. You just said that you've noticed that people who did bad things uh, to you, um, you know, they... Bad things happen to them. You're not celebrating that. You're just saying it's a fact. Yeah, I hate. I, I actually, I, I, I pray that nobody says anything awful and does anything bad because it, it affects them. And I'm thinking, why is this? Is something I studied for about five years. I wanted to understand this, but I, I actually think that without our spirit connected to our source, to 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 the balance of life and Mother Earth. When we lose and tip, when we lose that connection, we tip over the edge and we start entering into uh, anger, fear. When we start going in there, I think there's a, a battle that starts to take place with our spirit and the things that we know we shouldn't have done. And I think sometimes we can actually implode, we can self-combust because of the pain and suffering and that that battle between the heart and mind. That's why I think we should never never cause harm to anybody and say awful things to people. I think, you know what, it's better just to keep yourself to yourself. And if you're going to say anything, just be nice. Be nice. 
I, yeah, I, I would struggle with this now because I wouldn't say that I'm a vengeful person. I'm not. And now I'm, this is where I contradict myself by, by, by saying that I am. No, no, I'm not vengeful. But I think, you know, when, when, when things are done by people and they're, they're malicious things, when I say, you know, a, a response to that, I certainly do not mean violence. No, I do not. No. But um, conf, conf, confrontation, yeah, I, I'd be very confrontational with people. I would have been over the years and and I still would be today because I, I would, without doing that, without standing in front of somebody who had been very wrong and without saying, this is what I believe is, is right, what you did was wrong, I'm not accepting it, without having that opportunity, the, the, the anger, the rage would eat me up inside, to be honest. That's the sort of person I am, mm-hmm. trying not to be. <laughs> and listen, these days, I'm 46 now, I don't have enemies I don't. I'm surrounded by, you know, I'm surrounded by nice things and nice people. But yeah, previously I would have wanted to confront. And yeah, maybe aggressively. I don't mean violently now, but aggressively. Loudly, loudly, yeah. But- oh, you're a warrior. You're a warrior. That's who you are. That's why we love you. But today was uh, an interesting day for me because I was confronted by uh, a guy. I was just just minding my own business. And the guy came up to me and basically said, have you had your vaccines? And I don't know why. I've, I've had a bad a couple of few <laughs> days where I've been attacked on the social media. Time. Get used to it. But this, it just, it just, you know, sometimes you just blow. And I just said to him, "Could you, could you just show me a, a blood test, please, that you haven't got AIDS or herpes?" And at the same time, I want your bank statement. I want to know exactly how much you've got in the bank. Then I'll tell you Good if man. I've had a vaccine. And he went. Whoa! And I thought, you know what? Why did you just do that? Yeah. What's the point, Mark? <laughs> Is he no? But I, I, I would see. I would say you were right to do that now. And I, and I know spiritually you believe it to be wrong. Is the guy concerned that the unjabbed presents some risk to? The jabbed. It must be because there is a lot of that going around. They fooled the jabbed into thinking that by getting jabbed yourself, that's not good enough. We've got to get everybody else jabbed uh, to protect you as well. Maybe he's buying into all of that nonsense. Richard, for the first time in history, I believe, you know, um, how do I put it? You put it beautifully earlier on. They've desensitised us to insanity. But I mean, you know, people, like I said, for the first time in history, we can transmit a disease we don't have (laughs) to those who are fully vaccinated. Somebody help me, please. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, it's driving me insane because the insanity, it just doesn't seem to get is easier it seems to be it seems to be like a volcano of yeah. madness and 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 insanity i, I mean we we're looking at, at grown up educated idiots it's like i'm a healer and i am really really at the point where i'm thinking i cannot believe how easy it is to fool a world into believing anything they want you to believe even the most profoundly ridiculous things. And you've just laid some of them out there. Profoundly ridiculous things. Remember last year, Mark, when they said, now, if everybody stays two metres away from one another, that will uh, prevent even transmission. But a sneeze travels 40 or 50 feet. 
a cough travels further. It was what we called at the time arbitrary, just nonsensical rules. And yes, yes, people with higher IQs than, than me are, oh yeah, 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 we'll do that. We'll follow that nonsense. And off they've, off they've gone on that journey. And there's a, there's a handful of us. And there is really, if you look at the human race, if you look at the human race as a hundred people, say, if the human race is 100 people, there's about one and a half of us that realises this is insane and mad and crazy and dangerous. And um, I just laugh a lot. I know you do as well. I know you're a great laugher. It's a great way to expel that rage, that angst. I just laugh, belly laugh out loud when I'm producing the programme. And every time I look at you on your YouTube videos, you're laughing away with your audience, you're, 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 you're giggling, there's a joke. There's a lot to be said for that, for that, you know, for, for, for using humour to divest yourself of the rage. <laughs> it, it's, it really is a helpful thing, without a doubt. And I think we all need to try and, I don't know, take time out um, in the presence of ourselves right now. I think uh, a lot of us are so tied up into this elastic band pulling us into um, social mainstream media. It, it's almost like it is an addiction. It kind of pulls us back in. It's like, it's, it's like yeah, it's like addiction. It, you, you, you try to get away from it, but it just slips back in again. And I've done it again. I've done it again. And I think we the only way we can actually sever from that is by taking more time out for ourselves and getting out into Mother Earth. I know it sounds stupid, it but just sound stupid sitting down next to a tree like I did today, I just, I just, I was in a meeting. I said, you know what? Can you just give me a little bit? I got up, I walked outside, sat on the grass, leant against the tree, closed my eyes, and just that 10 minutes changed everything. It, it absolutely changed everything in my in my thought, my feeling, my energy, everything changed. And I thought, you know what? How many people in this world stop when they're in a situation that they know that their body's getting boiling, they're getting frustrated, that the body's screaming for some help? How many people do you know say, you know what? I'm just going to stop and I'm going to go outside and I'm going to hug a tree, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, we... You said something to me about a year and a half ago. It might have been even prior to the scam. We were talking about Mother Earth and nature. And you, you said something to me that stuck with me. It's, it's common knowledge, but we don't think of it. And you thought of it. No matter where you are in the world, you are only minutes away from the countryside minutes. I'm in cosmopolitan Salford, which it is these days, with Media City and everything that's going on here. I was in Manchester, you know, millions of people, but I'm a five minute car journey away from some of the most beautiful countryside. And maybe it wouldn't do us any harm to remember that more often. We were, the, the oft mentioned uh, Frogo Tremendo uh, and myself were talking about this. We've kind of gotten out of the habit of taking our weekend drives to the country. We've got bogged down with things. And that's not good. And I remember you saying that to me a couple of years ago. We're, we're only minutes away in our little uh, car, our little Renault Megane. We're only minutes away from beauty, from rivers. And, and, and that's what it is. It's, it's a bit like everything that's free, we take for granted. Everything that's simple, we take for granted. I can do that tomorrow. It's like the seas next to me. How many times do I go down to the sea? Yeah. Now, once 
on a Sunday when you're doing your beautiful show that everybody should be listening to. That's that that by the way, Richard. I've got to tell you something. This this show that you do on a Sunday, it absolutely heals. I know somebody who told me personally who listened to your show that you played a record on Sunday. And they were at a point of not wanting to be here anymore. And they were so close in taking their life. A song came on about his mother who used to play for him as a little child. And he cried like a baby for an hour. And after that hour, he was fine again. Wow. It's incredible. Isn't that, that's, it's, it's, it's weird hearing that, you know. I hope um, the chap will be, will be okay. I really do because it's, it's a dreadful time for so many people. But that's, well, that's, that's incredibly touching. Thanks for sharing that with me. Yeah, uh, but on Sunday I was crying as well because you shared a record <clears throat> which was um, The Sound of Music and that brought my, my memory back of my mum taking me there saying, I'd rather go to bingo tonight. And I'm saying, please, <laughs> I want to go and see it again. Oh, um, wonderful. Mum wanted to go and play the bingo, play two yeah. or three cards. Yeah, legs and, 11. Legs 11. That, that, you know, that takes me back now to, to my grandmother who passed away in 2002 and the geniuses that our grandmothers were. Our grandmothers could have gotten NASA to the moon quicker than John F. Kennedy did because, and, and, and Johnson because they could play six, eight bingo cards at the same time, couldn't they? And, and watch the single one that you were playing. So while they're doing six or eight cards themselves, they'll say to you, you have 66 what? What? You have 66. Wonderful. Wonderful. So you, you explain what you think might be going on there. So that's a wonderful memory for you and your mum. And uh, your friend, God love him, needed to hear that song at some certain time. So you believe there's a channeling of sorts going on there? There is. Spirit always brings us to the right place at the right time. The only problem we have in life is that we sever that beautiful connection because fear is part of our life because it's been programmed to, to us from a mainstream media outlet or everybody who actually lives and breathes and eats fear. In fact, most people, when they speak, they speak fear without even knowing. And fear is the most damaging connector to the spirit world. So they're always whispering to us, but if you are constantly living in fear, you don't hear that beautiful connection and that whisper and that gentle nudge. So it's vital, it's vital that we learn to disconnect. And that's where things like just sitting down for 15 minutes on your own, by yourself, doesn't matter what comes into your mind. Some people call it meditation. Some people call it relaxation. doesn't matter. You just sit down and be in present self. And by doing that, and you learn to just be still in that moment, then it's incredible. But you need to understand before you even go down that path, you need to understand why. And I, I came up with this, this great solution to understanding why grown men, big butch guys, wouldn't do it. And I had to figure a way out. I said, please help me. I was trying to channel, please help me with this massive guy from uh, Marbella who was a big, big, tough nut. He came to me and I said, if you don't learn to just relax and meditate, I don't meditate. I don't have time. Exactly. And then I thought, that's it. So what I did was I took a clock 
and I put the clock in front of him and I said, I want to do a test and I want you to do the test. What I want you to do is look at that clock. And as soon as the single hand ticking hits the 12, I want you to close your eyes and think of nothing. And then soon as your mind tells you that you shouldn't be thinking anymore, open your eyes and see how long that took. So he closed his eyes and in 15 seconds, he opened his eyes and I said, you are a prisoner to your mind and it only allows you 15 seconds to feel free. And that woke him up and that should wake everybody up. If you just take that test, you'll see that you might only do five, seven minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. That is your mind that has programmed you to say, actually, you don't have time for you. And when you really register that, it really hits home. And you think, I'm not going to allow that to happen. And once you then go into the battle between your heart and mind, you normally overcome it because now you're aware of why you don't give yourself time because your brain has imprisoned you. And that's what people mean when they say that their brain is constantly... Um, how did they phrase it? They don't say their brain, but they say, my mind is full of junk, full of nonsense, full of thoughts, constantly full of thoughts. What am I doing? Where should I be? Where do I need to be? What have, what have I got to do next? I, I've, I've, I've been a victim of that. I, I'd like to read a couple of comments and then I'd like to ask you a little bit more about meditation. 26 minutes past the hour it is. Mark Bayerski is live on the line from Mijas Pueblo. Got it right for the first time ever. I'll remember, I'll make a note of that. Uh, which is inland in beautiful southern Spain. Great to have Mark on. MarkPriorski.com is the website. Do find him on YouTube as well. Lovely comments coming in. Zorro says the age of Aquarius is coming in, coming upon us. Uh, somebody has tweeted, or not tweeted, has left a message, left a quote there from Dr. Andrew Kaufman about vaccine damage. You can see that if you go on to comment live. Caroline says, Caroline Feely says, this is what it's all about, reaching out to people and keep them believing in beautiful. She says, thanks, Caroline. Ron uh, was on, say hi to Jean. Ron, how you doing, Jean? Ron says, Richie, I love what Mark is saying. With the years that I've been on this earth, I cannot understand how people just do not question the madness. And this is damaging. It's so much damaging. Um, what, what, what we know to be beautiful in this world, people should just stop, just stop and have a look around, says Ron. Uh, I had to promise you a miracle. Thanks. Uh, promised you a miracle. That's the name on the website. Uh, says Sunday Morning Melodies is a lifeline right now. Well, that's lovely. Thanks for saying that. Gary says, Mark, I've taken up fishing for hour upon hour. I sit by that riverbank. It's so good. Not a soul around. I sleep like a baby every time after the fishing, Mr. Pierski. You cruel, cruel man. Oh, we need Jesus, Jesus fished, Jesus fished, our Lord fished. Um, but but yeah, the, the fishing must be must be peaceful. Ross says we live in a beautiful world surrounded with scumbags. We might do, uh, but surround yourself with nice people, uh, I say. Carla says one of the most important things I've learned in the last 18 months is that there is a very significant difference between intelligence and consciousness. So when I'm trying to work out why so many seemingly very clever people have fallen for all of this, I remind myself of this fact. Would you like to comment, Mark? There is a big difference, significant, between intelligence and consciousness. That, uh, absolutely. And unfortunately, intelligence is, is the darker side of, um, 
of the world now. And uh, anybody who comes to me with intelligence, I turn into a greyhound and I'm off and running. Consciousness is actually the whole truth of life in its essence. Consciousness is everything. And, and the problem is people just can't recognize. They don't see it. They're not, they, they, they look at you as if to say, what are you talking about? What is consciousness? The problem is if you can't see it, there is no tangible evidence you know you, you know a brain intelligence studying learning uh, regurgitating this is this is factual this is what we can base our life on but look at what's happened at basing our life and our our laws and and our um uh, medical industry all of those things in my opinion has taken us down a very very dark path and Right now, you cannot say the word cure without being prosecuted. Right now, if you use the word healing and tag it, you will find that you will not have any reaction because they have systematically killed words that are... I'll give you another example. Shadow um, banning. You're being shadow banned right across social media. Yeah. yeah. Right now, it's a conspiracy it's a conspiracy to believe your immune system is capable of doing the job it was designed to do. Are we not living in utter madness? Madness. That's a, that's that, that's profound. Yeah, that 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 you would be considered a heretic. That it is heresy to suggest. Well, listen, my immune system is in good shape because I look after my health, physically and spiritually. No thanks, I don't want the jab, no thanks. And by taking that point of view or taking that approach, it's almost like heresy. You're right, it's, everything has been turned upside down. An inversion, David Icke said to me years ago. Everything yeah. is inverted now. When, when truth becomes lies and lies become truth, then yeah. you know you're in dark times. And, and that's the bottom line. And unless the world wakes up, there, there is going to be a slippery slope to a point where I think that at the at the point when people are saying to me, "No more now, no more," and what they what they're saying "no more" to is that they've had the first one, they've had the second one, they don't want the booster, so they're waking up. So it's like, but why didn't you wake up before? So I, I, it's a confusion for me from for the clients that I've shared truth with that will still go and do those things. And when you actually really get down to the nitty gritty, it's normally for one thing. And it isn't about fear of dying. It's about fear of not being able to have your freedom. That's right. Go and have food. Go to another country. That is why most people jab the up. The coercion. That's the that's really sickened you, hasn't it? That that people maybe didn't really want to have it, but because it enabled them to go on a holiday last summer, or because it um, you know might have improved their job prospects, they did it anyway. And we're going to see this in the winter, aren't we? Because I know obviously you're in Spain, I'm here, but we, we're pretty certain here that so-called COVID certification or, or vaccine passports will be a reality this winter. I know this. They're, they're calling for them to, to even, to go into a supermarket. We have a woman from, she's, she's a government advisor, Debbie Shridhar is her name, Edinburgh University, you know, saying that indoor, indoor public places, indoor places where people are, 
are, are gathering, we, we, should, we, we should introduce them. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on a lot of people. And I think this winter you might see people who have so far avoided the jab or who have declined it. They might come under a lot more pressure this coming winter. We know they want NHS workers ultimately to take it. The care workers must have it now or they're fired. It's unimaginably evil, that. Well, <clears throat> for me, Richard, it, uh, I'm damned if I do anything. I'm yeah. damned if I don't. If I, I've always, from, from the moment I saw this was... Um, a plan. It wasn't something that was by accident. When I saw it, instantly I could see the the very clever tactics that any charlatan would use, any gangster, any bully would use. It's 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 so in your face. It's unreal. And as this kept going on, I kept saying to my friends and my family and to the public and to as many people as I could without getting into trouble, saying that there's something extremely wrong. And this is not normal. This is all a bully tactic. And I kept saying this. And then as time went on, I started seeing it getting even deeper and deeper. And then I started giving out ideas, suggestions. And then from I got lots of grief all the way through that. And then I started uh, looking at the evidence of what's going on, factual evidence of my friends all over the world, Peru. My friends, uh, bank accounts are being uh, just shut down for no reason. Of course, there's a reason. But um, and, and all the other things that are happening, the farmers that I listen to daily um, who are saying that all their crops are being um, taken and then just destroyed, all, all of these things that are happening. So, I, you know, I just put a video out the other day and I made some suggestions and yes, it was a little bit, a little bit heavy, of course, but you know, truth is truth. Listen, guys, I, I just, why not box clever? Why not? If, if this winter's going to get a little bit difficult, why not buy a, a Calagas bottle and a, and a little cooker ring? Why not get some candles? Why not get some dried fruit? Why not get some rice? Why not get some water and just store it just in case? And even if even if we, we have a lovely winter and there's no problems and everything goes back to what you believe is a normal, then you can always drink the water. You can always eat the food and you can always sell the Calagas because, you know, somebody will buy it. So I said that. And it caused a great reaction from a lot of people, not one or two, but many getting extremely angry because they want me to talk about fluffy clouds. They want me to talk about the coming of Jesus to protect us or a new savior. And that the, the only savior in this world is you, my dear friends. You're the savior of your life. That's why you're here. There isn't a God or a Jesus who's coming here. And spirit is always there in your heart guiding you. And spirit guided me to share that message. And we are actually condemned by not only the people who call us conspiracy theorists, but even by spiritual people now. I am condemned and, and criticized for, for speaking what I believe is my true Anxiousness. It, it's anxiousness and it's kind of a reaction to hearing something you don't want to hear. And the, the easy thing to do is then throw a bit of spite at the messenger. I mean, these people will always be there um, for you you know, and vice versa. It's just a bit of fear. Let's stay with this for a minute. Mark Bajerski is our guest because you are not alone. Um, some other pretty clever people who I know um, believe that it's not beyond the realms of possibility 
that foodstuffs might be in short supply. It doesn't mean that the food will just disappear completely, but that certain things might not be available. We, we know there are supply chain issues. We know this is part of a plan. We know that. We know that the Ice Age farmer, a guy called Ryan, um, I can never remember his surname, he was on the programme um, a year or so ago. Guys who've looked into this, this is certainly part of an agenda, this sort of disruption. So it seems to me that what you are saying isn't fear. It's not It's not kind of creating fear. It's just bloody well common sense. And if that's the message you're getting, if this is the energy you're feeling, well, why wouldn't you say it? And it's not the dumbest thing in the world to think about either. Get some non-perishable goods and and have them around. Why not, Mark? Well, like you said, you're absolutely right. People live in this uh, reality <clears throat> that they believe everything is going to be okay. And in the end, it always is okay. I said on this program a couple of years ago that we've already won, but that doesn't mean the journey continues and it's not going to be challenging. We always win in the end. Light always conquers dark, but it only conquers it when we shine our light over the dark. So the moment you suppress somebody from speaking their truth is the moment we've lost. Because like the bully, he wants you not to say anything. Because if you don't say anything, he can continue doing what he does. And that's in a playground. Nothing is any different in this world. We just live in a bigger playground with the bullies doing what they're doing. It's a brilliant analogy, that, because it's exactly the same. The the bully in the playground ruled by fear. Ultimately, the bully was just skin and bone, just like you. Ultimately, the bully inside was really um, somebody with a lot of problems and uh, maybe a lot of problems at home. Ultimately, the the bully, as bad as he or she was, they were victims in, in their own right. You don't really understand this until you become a bit older. But it's a great analogy because, yes, the institutions of of the system, namely the government and corporations, yes, they behave in exactly the same way as the playground bully, uh, threatening and uh, attempting to coerce and and putting you down and gaslighting. The bully always told you in school, didn't he? Uh, or she, I went to a co-ed school. But the bully always worked on kind of breaking you down, first of all with names and try, trying to demean you because of the way you looked or the way you sounded. But sure, that's what they do now. They're trying to break people down constantly by telling them all the time that they're bad. Aren't they, Mark? Every time you turn on the telly, you're told that you're bad. You're a transphobe. You're a homophobe. You're an Islamophobe. You're a hate speech merchant. You're you're terrible. You're an anti-vaxxer, constantly beating you down. It's a great analogy, uh, my friend. It's bang on. School, school, school uh, room or playground bully. Uh, the biggest uh, corporations in the world, uh, the the Klaus Schwabs, the Bill Gates, it's exactly the same. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Totally. So you, so you turn and your yeah. back on it, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Somehow. What do you what do you do with that? Once you know the bully is the bully, you either you either live in that energy of being um, in fear and wet in your bed and and not wanting to go to school, and then when you get to school, being petrified, or do you say I- I'm just not doing this, and I go to the teacher and say, 
sorry, miss, uh, you know, uh, this man's bullying me, or you go home and you don't go back, or you, you turn your back on the, the system, you turn your back on everything and walk away, or you stand up to the bully and say no more. There's so many options we have, but most people don't say anything. No, they don't. They don't. They, that's why they're bullied, and that's why there's so much bullying going on, because that we have been programmed as as little babies to just obey we're not we're not we've never been shown how to handle emotion ever ever especially in my generation it's shut up uh, listen to what we're telling you and keep your mouth shut and if you want to go to the toilet lift your hand up and if you want to uh, if you you want this you want this you ask and so we we're just we're beings that are programmed stiff up our lip but you know, could that go the other way as well? I, I kind of like what you're saying. Yes, we were not encouraged to be, to, to, to express the things we were thinking when we were younger. And I agree with you, there's something wrong with that. I'm pretty much the same. There's only a few years between us, but I, I come from that same mindset. There, there are those who are listening to us though, Mark, and they might say that you can take that too far the other way and you can kind of create a generation of infantilized children. You know, we're 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 kind of in some way um it didn't do us too much harm growing up like that. We we maybe learned to fend for ourselves and and to do for ourselves. That's not that I'm disagreeing with you, I'm not. There's got to be a balance there, hasn't there with 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 children. Yeah, you've just said it. It's called balance. And I've, I've talked about this on your show before. Yeah. The Green School is a perfect example of how to give confidence to children, which means that the teachers ask the children what they want, what they'd like to do, what they'd like to create. And they give them a chance, an opportunity to express themselves, to bring out the creativity of who they truly are. When have we, we ever been given that opportunity as kids? We were just whacked we were just told what we had to do, what yeah. we, you know, it's running time now. Put your gym stuff on. Yeah. <laughs> it's dinner time now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm just saying, all I am saying is we as humanity, if I could say one sentence, it would be, we have got it all wrong. From from dawn till dusk, I, I think I agree with you. Just a very quick funny story before I ask you about meditation. Um, there's there's a lovely gentleman called Steve who's in his 60s and his wife Anne, they have a golden Labrador. We have a retriever, so we see them regularly enough. Now, neither Steve nor Anne are remotely interested in this radio programme. I don't even think they know anything about it. I, I, I've known them for two and a half years. We have a bit of a laugh about different things and stuff like that. But Steve said to me the other day, he's a, a college teacher. So he teaches practical things in, in, in college, like painting and decorating and all that. He's a lovely fellow, Steve. And he said to me, Richie, he said, I said, what? He said, we, we went to the granddaughter sports day the other day. The granddaughter is seven or eight years of age. I said, lovely. How was that? I said, it was bizarre. I said, why? He said, nobody won. I said, what do you mean? He said, everybody wins. So I said, they race, right? And he said, yeah, they race. They did the egg and spoon, Mark. God be with the days. The egg and spoon. Did the egg and spoon. And he said they, they did the sprints. And they did, they did the, the three-legged race where you're tied to the guy next to you and you try and run and you fall over. But he said um, at the end of the race, there was no big congratulations to the child who came over first. Oh, God, no. No, they gathered all the children, told them they were all winners, and they all got a medal. 
yeah. there's something wrong with that. Exactly. <laughs> it's called balance, and there's yeah. no balance in that. It's it's gone. It, it, the the needle has gone to the other side. So so from you know insanity to sanity, insanity. It's it's just it's just it's all bizarre. It seems that the world cannot find uh, a happy medium to making um, children feel good. It's it's almost like you say it's madness. But there are there. For me, in a situation like that, I I see life as at this moment, as we've grown up, and I, I've got to be honest about this. <clears throat> I see life with people my age and a little bit younger have grown up in life with this attitude to I need to prove myself 100 percent of being the best of the best that what I've seen has done nothing but harm to most men who are of the age of 38, 40 to 50 years old. It's caused them disease. It's caused them addiction. It's caused them mental uh, breakdowns. It's called, it's it's really caused a lot of issues. So with, with either of or of those two, whether you win or you don't, it depends on how you are taught to win or to lose and and it's rather than shoving things in your face like you've just said it it just it it just seems that nobody seems to know how to teach and how to share and how to bring in as some kind of um i don't know wisdom some kind of uh, deeper understanding I mean, when you look back at the ancients and how they teach with uh, families, uh, with with villagers, if a child is um, is is being caught doing something terribly wrong, they'll they'll put that child in the centre of them all. They'll all hold hands and they'll all say beautiful things to that child and send them beautiful energy of healing and kindness. And 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 bombard them with love rather than with beating. Now you said that you felt that we we didn't we didn't do so bad as kids. We got a beat, but it made us stronger. Well, wouldn't wouldn't that be the same case with kids who become soft? Wouldn't their life they would have to go through the same challenges? They will have to go through the same experiences, but in a different sense. So we were bullied, we were beaten. The kids are now muddy cuddled and uh, to to that degree, they're going to also have to go through a terrible time when they break through free from a school system to a big wide world that they have no idea what's going to happen. How to, to navigate them. it. As you said, how to deal with success and failure, problems, um Good times, bad times. You're so right. We've got about nine minutes and I wanted to ask you, we should have spent more time on this, but it's been a, it's been a brilliant chat. We've taken it down a few different roads. You, know, you, you are listening to Mark Boyerski, by the way. Mark is in Mijas Pueblo in southern Spain. Uh, Mark's a healer, an international healer. He's an author and he uh, founded the Pure Energy Healing Academy. And I've only ever heard great things from people who uh, who went to, to Mark. That's a fact, by the way. I'm not saying that. Uh, go to markboyerski.com. 
years ago. I think I got it mixed up today. I, I told you, as part of dealing with some of the things I'd experienced when I was younger, I met a really good guy whose name was Tony. And he introduced me to what I thought was meditation, but it was more like relaxation therapy. But he did introduce me to meditation as well. And I was reticent as a 16-year-old, 15, 16-year-old lad to uh, to engage in it and to kind of meet him halfway. But I did because I've always taken the leap. And um, I remember feeling blissful after, especially after the relaxation therapy. And I know that... Um, from from speaking to my better half, who uh, meditates and who has, you know, found it to be wonderfully um, beneficial to her in so many ways that we should spend five or six minutes talking about this. Explain to um, our listeners, and I know you do a lot of this on your YouTube channel as well. Go to Mark, uh, Mark Bierski on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Um, tell us what a gift meditation is and how helpful it can be, particularly at this particular time when people are really anxious and scared and fed up and worried about what's going on. Well, Richie, it's probably the most important thing in this world right now, meditation. Um, the word meditation itself, in my humble opinion, is a simple um, be with yourself or be with in the company of others who just want to be, just be. That means that whatever happens when you... <clears throat> find a, a nice place, whether it's in Mother Earth, whether it's in your home, and you switch a little bit of nice music on, or you sit by the sea or by a tree. Basically, what that means is you're going into um, a different state of your energy. You're going into a, a different place. Now, people get so confused with meditation that they become the confusion. So they get up and they wonder, what have I done wrong? The whole point that I quickly learned about meditation is that there's too many people trying to teach too many unique ways of meditation that's sticking your tongue up to your roof of your mouth and holding your fingers in different ways breathing techniques all of these things all of these things are, are very good when you start to go down a path of wanting to go deeper into meditation but prior if you've never done it before it's a simple case of just closing your eyes and just be, that's it. And what happens in that, that moment, your heart kicks in and starts to give you information on many things. What the battle, the, the problem is, is the battle between the heart and mind. Your mind will then start to tell you, like I said, it'll start to tell you, you should be doing something else. This is not right. You're selfish. So you, you will confront yourself in a battle at times like the Buddha did. And many battles you confront yourself with when you go down the path of meditation. And many people try to attune to nirvana, that, that, that ultimate energy of vibration, which takes you so close to a feeling of there are no words. But at the beginning, to start that path, I can tell you, share my little story, was I was with a group of people that I just thought they were, they were just crazies. And um, the lady touched my hand and she said, close your eyes. And this music came in and they started saying, saying the word om and then they stopped saying the word om. And then I, I closed my eyes after about 10 minutes of looking at these people thinking I need to run out of here because it's an occult. And, and it, it wasn't. They were just people wanting to meditate and send healing to people. So I closed my eyes. I, I wasn't told what to do. I wasn't told where I was. So 
when I closed my eyes and I just, I was a, I was just being just, you don't really know what I was doing, but something happened that there was something that happened, which there are no words in a dictionary. It's just an energy that enfolds you. And it's almost like it's saying, it's been a long time. I'm so glad you're here. And all of a sudden you realize that you're speaking to your inner spirit. You're speaking to you because most of the time you speak to your mind, your brain. So all of a sudden you can, you can have a conversation in that moment. And a lot of people say, no, no, you need to be, you need to be in stillness. Not necessarily at all. A lot of my clients are happy to just allow anything to happen. And I found that big grown men who never did this in their life started um, explaining to me what really was working for them. And it was whatever comes into your mind is as it should be. Whatever stays in your mind is what it should be. Whatever leaves your mind is what it should be. No matter what happens when you close your eyes, there's nothing you can do that is wrong. It is exactly as it should be. And from that moment on, whether it's five minutes, whether it's an hour, whether it's two minutes, it doesn't matter. Once you take that first step by finding that place, because it's the ritual of actually doing it, that is the beginning of you saying to your inner spirit that the person that who you are not your body you because when you die your body just turns to dust but your spirit continues so you're actually speaking to your spirit it's the first moment that you're connecting to who you truly are and at that point when you keep doing that you'll find that you get deeper and deeper and deeper and some days you don't some days you do it depends on how your body is at that time because there's a lot involved in the physical in this as well. And the only time your body heals in truth, it's not when you're asleep, it's when you meditate. When you meditate, your body goes into a self-healing mechanism. It strengthens your what's called the immune system, which is basically a group of soldiers now not having to work on the brain, but now having to work on the whole of the body. So your little workforce are now saying thank you. You've given us time to work on the rest of your body. So it heals your heart. It heals your trauma. It heals many things that you've never allowed yourself to do because life is too short and you've got to work. You've got to eat. You've got to drink. You've got to sleep. And and that is why you've got to break that pattern. Can I ask you this? This will have to be a quick answer. I'd love to explore this in more depth. We might do it on another program. When you've become experienced with meditation and you've practiced it, maybe I shouldn't use the word practice, but maybe it's an appropriate word. Can can you get to a place, I think you can, I'm pretty sure you can, where you can basically exit the body, that you can basically, you, you can float basically, you know, that your, your your spirit can can leave your own body. Somebody said this to me before about a monk that um, he, he'd met in in Tibet and the monk was explaining um, very gently, but, um, you know, not getting too deep into it, saying that, you know, you can you could leave the body and sometimes you could look down and see the body. Is, has that happened to you? There's one thing that the world needs to know, and that is every single human being on this planet was born the same, equal. 
in the energy of enlightenment, in the energy of um, consciousness, in the energy of psyche, uh, in the energy of healing. So there is nobody on this planet that that cannot do what anybody else does. Yeah. And we've been told that only certain people can do this and do that. And 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 only if you work um, for 20 years, 50 yeah, years, yeah, yeah. you do that. That's actually... Not true. That's not only not true, but it was actually placed there deliberately. You see... As a barrier, you, as a barrier to people's understanding of what's going on. Absolutely, deliberately. And normally, if they do that, it's because there's there's a cost involved. Oh, that's a bombshell to leave it on. We could pick that up another time. Mark, Boyarski.com is Mark's website. Um, we, we talked about this today. Blind Joe. Blind Joe. Um, you've been sharing his music all over the internet. Uh, he was on the programme last night. And I'm going to close out with his song again, I Will Not Comply, which um, you gave it your endorsement today. Brilliant song. And not only brilliant, but the man himself. Um, I, I did a bit of research on him. Um, he's, he's kind of like become a hero and, uh, and, and I wish him well, Richard, as, as I do you as my hero as well, as this show, Richard, this show, without this show, uh, n not only me, but thousands of others wouldn't get uh, an opportunity to share our truth that mainstream would never allow. And, you know, I say this at the end of every show, and I hope you don't get upset with me, but I really feel if people are listening now, please uh, donate to the Richie Allen radio show. And, and, and it's simple. You just go there, press donate and just make a few euros a month donation. I actually don't know what I do without this show. And this show has kept me uh, sane. It, it's it's made me understand that there is truth in this world i still there i'm not i'm not crazy because there's more of us so without this show it, it would be a challenge for me to to go through the next 12 months that could possibly be uh, very challenging so please guys love you all but it's in vital now that we support the right people and for a few quid every month we keep this show our show going you're a gent for saying that. You don't need to say that, but thank you for saying it. Anyway, markbyersky.com, folks. Find Mark on YouTube as well. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's packed with uh, relevant and fascinating and interesting and enlightening information. Mark Byersky on YouTube. Mark, Sloan Tommel, that's the uh, Irish language for um, bye for now. Cheers, mate. Lovely to speak with you again as usual. You too. Love you all. Thank you. Cheers, Mark. Bye for now. That was Mark. Uh, and as I said, I'm closing out the programme again today with this song because, because it's brilliant. See you tomorrow. Thanks again to Mark. Quit trying to take me to task because I don't want to